In this episode, we're going to talk about holistic garden design and the sectors and energy flow to have a garden that's thriving and abundant. So I'll see you in the episode. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Shambhala Living podcast. Today, I thought we'd talk about the garden plan. So moving on from the growing with nature and sticking with this idea of moving through the the course booklet. And I just wanted to, to bring more ideas of how we can actually implement some of these concepts and fundamentals of food growing. Today, I thought we'd have a chat about holistic garden design, the sectors and the energy flow. With holistic garden design, it's something that we think about before we actually get growing in the garden. So it's the kind of thing that you can do with a cup of tea, cup of coffee, doesn't have to be a hard kind of thing. So kind of consider the holistic planning is is really just kind of taking stock of your garden, whatever that is. And that could just be whether it's, okay, I've got a balcony, it's facing north and I've got a wind in the afternoon. It could be, you know, the backyard, I've got this big tree over there. I get a, high, a lot of rainfall um, because I'm, I live in the tropic. I have very low rainfall because I'm in the temperate areas. These are kind of things that we're noting. We're, we're noting these ecosystems where we live, the zoning that we, we live in, and then we're going to take into account the fundamentals of holistic garden design. And these are most notably taken care of in the, the 12 principles of permaculture. So we're going to I'm going to just go through some of them now and talk about the then the sectors and energy flows. So we've talked about the permaculture ethics before, which is earth care, people care, and fair share. So they're kind of the three fundamental ethics of, of permaculture. And then we move into the 12 principles. So the 12 principles, number one, is to observe and interact. So these are the kind of things that you don't necessarily do these things, you will continue to evolve and do these. This could be the first time you come across this, or it might be the hundredth time you come across these principles. At different times, different elements will click. Uh, if this is the first time, then just, you know, some of it might seem overwhelming and that's okay. Just hear some of the words and let one or two things click in. You don't have to have the whole 12 click in. So we've got to observe and interact. And that is just get out in the, in the garden, just to observe it, be amongst it, see where the sun flows, where the shade is, and, and interact, meaning actually walk it that's the first things if you 
paid me to come and consult you and to build your garden, the first thing we would do is I'd ask to you put the, the kettle on, we'd have a cup of tea, we'd get a notepad out and we'd just walk around the garden and we'd just write things down. We'd interact with the, with the soil, we'd touch the soil, we'd see, you know, where's the concrete, where's the hard spaces, where's the shade spaces. Number two is catch and store energy. Catch and store energy is all about how do you best catch the energy, which is the forms of energy that we're mainly catching is sunlight and water. How can we best position our garden to catch as much of that sunlight as possible? And also how can we catch that water? There is also wind, but wind often in the garden, we're trying to prevent the wind unless you're looking at setting up a wind farm or a windmill in that case you might be looking at okay i've got wind there and i need to actually build up a hedge or a, or a fence or something then we've got obtain a yield so we always want to look at how do we obtain a yield use and value the renewable resources and services utilizing those resources around you in the community always looking there's some amazing places out there marketplace in gumtree at least for us in australia and marketplace for everyone but you'll have local groups and permaculture groups garden groups look for those look at the resources around you number six is produce no waste remember these are kind of ideal principles and that's the where we're aiming for but it's not always going to be immediate there's going to be waste there's going to be plastic bags around mulch things that you're going to buy and but we're aiming for to have no waste so that's the the intention and that comes from studying nature and seeing that there's actually no waste in nature anything that decays goes back into the system so how do we have a garden where the waste products that we consider waste can actually go back in and create a resource. So even if it is you have a plastic, then how do you return it to a system, maybe not on your own property, but a larger system so it can get reused and turned into something. There's a lot of great recycle centers, there's soft plastic centers, there's composting centers. So pretty much most of our things that we use can get reused and therefore the waste isn't just going to landfill number seven is design from patterns to detail so this is a nice one for when the detail gets a little bit boggling of like oh, i don't actually know where i want my compost or my worm from worm farm or my bird bath or my seat that's okay just for now, just start with patterns. Your first draft of your garden plan could just be some brush stroke areas of there's there's kind of like the sunny spot, there's the the house, there's the walkway, there or there's the main pathway, and start to see some patterns in it. Okay, I can start to see the the sunlight is is always going to be starting in that area in the morning and going over to that area. So you'll start to see your the patterns at least in the sunlight and during the year that that pattern is going to change but it's a nice way to go from the general 
to the specific rather than going specific to general. So we start from pattern to detail, then integrate rather than segregate. So how can you integrate elements in your garden rather than make them two separate areas like you've got a sitting area and you've got this garden area. Is there a way you can integrate them together so it's a sitting garden area? And same with your compost. Is there a way that the compost can be integrated into the garden? And same with worm farms and all the other elements that you might bring in. And you're not going to have all the same elements that I have in my garden, but you'll have your own micro elements or your own specific elements that you want to bring in. So consider integration. Then number nine is use small and slow solutions. So that's a really empowering one because often this journey of growing food, it is a long-term goal. So if you jump in and you want to get going too fast and too big, I've seen it before, people burn out and then they just give up. Start small and start slow. It's a really great way to start with a one garden bed is what I always suggest. Use and value diversity is number 10. This one's really great in that instead of just having one style of everything, utilize diversity. And, and I'm not gonna put too much definition on this one, but definitely in nature, diversity rules. Diversity gives resilience so how can you bring diversity into your garden, into the plants, into the seed species, into the some perennial and some annuals and some flowers and some non-flowers and so on, but bringing, using and valuing diversity. Number 11 is use the edges and value the marginal. The edges, the edges of the garden between the, the garden and the walkway are often the most valuable parts and if we do value those and we use those edges then that's where we can have the most kind of prolific areas of our garden they often get the most sunlight because they're at the edge but we do have to protect those edges so that they don't melt into each other which is a little bit of a, a interesting one of how do you then go back to that integrate rather than segregate, but also maintain the edges because there is edges in nature, but there's also that integration. So it's a it's one to just ponder on that one and see how can you bring the use of edges in. I've found when I'm using the timber raised beds or having a really good definition between my path and my garden, it, it makes my garden a lot more productive and it's about that edge between the two, the pathway and that garden. And number 12 is creatively use and respond to change. This one is a principle that we can use in life. And a lot of these are about how do we live and how is our perspective to be changed in our gardens. Our garden is going to change and life is going to change. The seasons are going to change. The pests are going to change. The soil life's going to change. So how do we respond to that in a creative way? So that's a, a really great one to, to consider as well. So I'll put these 12 principles in the show notes so you can copy them, you can print them out. And they're always a great way to just 
refer back to and, and, they'll, and different things will pop out at different times. We'll move into the sectors and the energy flows. The sectors are the, again the general before we move into the zones which are the more specific and then we get even deeper and, and more detailed but in the, the general, in the sectors of your space you'll be looking at things like the sun so how do you manage the energy flow in the garden, the sunlight? There's a, some really good tools to track the sunlight. One of them is suncalc, so S-U-N-C-A-L-C.net. And you can type in your location into this site and it will give you the position of the sun at different times of the year. So have a look at that and there's other sites you can Google and and find that and the other way is just to observe if it's just a small garden you don't need to have big long observations but if it's a big property then often what I've always been told is is spend a year just walking your, your place noting things making diary it sounds counterintuitive to spend so long in the planning it can save you years and thousands and thousands of dollars if you've got a, a, a large rural place and you start doing before you plan the planning is so important you will save so much money so much heartache and you'll have way more abundant garden if you just take a little bit of time to walk that land and dream about what you want and make some plans so then we also look at the wind in the area so how does that wind flow through your property? What are the wind tunnels? If you're in a city, you're going to have different kind of wind tunnels coming up through between the buildings and that wind can um, harm your plants. So find where that wind is. You could put a stick with a ribbon and you'll just start seeing, okay, most afternoons the wind picks up and it comes from that direction. Is there something I can do? to prevent that and you don't want no wind so airflow is is really beneficial we just don't want one predominant wind that's just going to hammer our veggies so we want to plan for that and then the final one is our water flow how is the water flowing through your property like when it lands where where does it pull and how can you address that and also how can you capture that going back to catch and store energy so water is definitely one how can you catch that retain that in your garden or retain it in a pond or in a dam or or a lake and then also how much rainfall do you get on your your zone you can look that up and you can also measure that with a rain gauge and just keep a, a track over a period of time and then also marking out what zone growing zone so you could just type uh, what is my zone or what is my garden zone into google and you'll you'll start to see images coming up and you'll you'll see in your country the different colors it's usually all numbers depending on which country you're in and you'll start to see different zones and that will give you indications of what you can grow in those areas but don't be disheartened if it says you can't grow something because you'll have micro zones within your specific zone and I've seen a lot of people where they said they can't grow things like bananas and they've been growing bananas 
So a lot of it comes down to managing those energy flows and those sectors, ensuring that you've got the best possible chance for the widest diversity of plants to thrive. So that was all about the, the first lot of elements that we would start thinking about in the garden plan. I hope that you got something out of that. Definitely jump in and get started on a garden bed and be prepared to make a change. And then over the time of the garden that you're growing in, start observing uh, the larger area and sectors and start making notes. And, and each year you'll get more and more detailed. And it doesn't matter if you are renting as well. You might spend a whole lot of time observing the garden area and then you might have to move and so it could seem counterintuitive but i think not i think the more you start observing the faster you start seeing it in other areas now if i came to your area we could find the main patterns and we can see okay we could pretty much tell there's going to be a wind tunnel there and we can quickly look up the rainfall in the area and we can see the soil and we can see the the nature around us, what kind of plants and what kind of weeds are in the ground. We can start observing and we can get it quicker and quicker to be able to take more action. But there's definitely nothing like on the ground observation and uh, interaction. So yeah, grab that cup of tea, go for a walk, grab a piece of paper and just start making notes and feel free to send me any of your pictures and I'll give any feedback that I can because it's definitely my intention to help you become a better grower to grow health and wellness for your family. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, bye for now. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.